Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson, and this evening I've got a really special guest, a good friend of mine, Taylor Napierski. Um, Taylor and I know each other from Arizona. When my wife and I were living in Arizona in Gilbert, um, Taylor and his wonderful wife, Jana, and their three kids moved in to the area, and uh, we got to know them through church. And I just, you know, from the first time meeting Taylor and hearing him talk, in, in sharing some of his spirit, I just felt like, man, this is a really good guy. And as I got to know Taylor's wife, Jana, I felt the same way. And Alicia and I just fell in love with these guys. And, and we really just love, I love the way they view this life and, and the way they approach life and, and the goodness they try and bring to whatever it is um, that they take part in. And I, and I think at that point, you guys, Taylor, um, we're we're reading all this stuff about becoming minimalists, right? Yeah. And trying to live like a more simple yeah. life. And I and I really feel like I gravitated to that. So anyway, dear friend of mine and grateful to have him on the show. Thanks for being here, Taylor. Oh, Mike, I'm 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 just stoked to be here. Uh, it's amazing how our paths have crossed again. Yeah. Uh, we lived next door to each other, then you guys moved and and honestly, it was it was one of those crazy experiences because we, we didn't know you guys really well. Uh, at first, then we got to know you, and right as we were kind of, uh, the friendship was was you know finding its its groove, if you will. You guys left and left us uh, left us alone, and uh, we were mad for for a long time, but we we overcame that, uh, and then we we come to you know come to find out you guys have moved back to Utah, and then by pure coincidence. Uh, uh, you end up in Saratoga Springs and then we end up coming here, which is a whole different story that I'm sure we'll cover tonight as we talk through some of the crazy things that have happened this year, but, or, or last year, but we end up being like five minutes from each other. And, and even just driving over here tonight, I was like, my gosh, I can't believe how close we are crazy. Uh, to, to your family. And, uh, as you said, it's been, it's just been just an awesome, awesome friendship for, for not just you and me, but the family, uh, and, and especially over the last month or so. Uh, you guys have, have just been so incredibly generous and thoughtful uh, uh, for I, us and our family. So, and I think that's the that's the thing. On that note, the last month and a half, you know, we've we've tried to show up for you guys, and the reason why, obviously, is is one of the reasons why you're here tonight to kind yeah. of share your story. But gosh, 2020 has been a rough year on all of us, right? Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Everybody, but but 
wait till you hear this story, audience. I, I <laughs> yeah. think I think for you guys, especially Taylor, it's amazing um, what you guys have been through in the last twelve months of your lives, and I really appreciate you coming and and uh, and getting and being willing to open up uh, your heart and be vulnerable and sharing your story because. There are people out there that need your courage and faith. And, and I think when we share our stories, not only does it bless our own lives to, to really help us know how to tell our story and be accountable mm-hmm. for our lives so that we can become the best that we want to be, better people. Um, but there's somebody out there that really needs to hear it. And even if it's not to hear it because it'll, they'll grow from hearing your story, but to hear it, to have the courage to start changing or telling their own story I, I think there's so much power in that and uh you've got a you've got quite the story to share with us tonight and i appreciate that yeah i'm, I'm excited to, to talk through it and there's a lot that you know i'm still trying to unpack about the the 2020 year as you highlighted everybody has had a tough year and we we thought we would be just like anyone else with with a few minor setbacks and it's turned out to be a really tough tough period in our lives but as you highlighted, and I think you've done a great job on your other podcasts of, of allowing people to talk through their experiences. And some of them, I know on your podcast, you know, they're stories from years ago and others, they're more recent. And uh, so for any listeners, this is probably one that it, it doesn't have a, a nice, you know, a closed loop ending uh, the, the airplane hasn't necessarily landed yet. And I'm not, I'm not sure what that will look like, but the bandaid uh, was like literally just applied. I think it was, <laughs> like yeah. For- we're, we're like, yeah, tourniquet on. I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to figure it out as we go. And, uh, and you and I had talked about maybe waiting for a little while to, to let some of these, uh, experiences settle a bit. Um, but I think this is the right time to, to, to talk through some of these things and it might be a little uncomfortable. I'll, I'll probably be emotional as I, as I tend to be, uh, as I get a little older, but uh, they're very real experiences, and and as you highlighted, you and Alicia and the kids, you guys have just been amazing friends, wow. you know, for for a long time. But especially over these last six weeks, which have been uh, quite quite the roller coaster. It's easy to show up for people that show up for you, right? I think I think one of the beauties of telling your story and one of the beauties of getting vulnerable is you let people in, and when you let people in, people show up for you. But when you don't let people in, when you're not willing to talk about your stuff, no one can relate and you tend to feel like you're on your own. Yeah. And I, and, and that's one thing that I really want people to start recognizing is it doesn't matter what skeletons you have in the closet. It doesn't matter what you've been through. If you're, if, if you've been through some hard things, talk about it. It's okay to talk about it because once you let people know what you're going through, what you've been through then you're allowing people to show up for you. And, and that's what we need, right? We need to show up for each other. So, yeah. yeah. And this is, I think it's important or or good for listeners to understand that we, we did a recording. When was the last one that we did? I think it was probably what it was before Christmas, five weeks ago, something like that. And we thought, I remember sitting down and talking with you about our experiences from 2020 and sort of taking this approach, like it was over, yeah. like hey, yeah. we're at like, you know, December, whatever that was, you know, December 5th or 6th or something like we've, we've, we've made it to the end of the year and everything's going to be great. We can take out. a breath now. Yeah. And, and little did we know what was, you know, what was about to, to hit us. So, uh, it just felt important to my wife and me and to sit down with you again and, and sort of redo a little bit of this and add sort of the final chapter, um, 
if for no other reason to help me process. And so again, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to be sitting here with you and uh, to talk through it. Every time I talk to you, I just tend to see things a little differently and a little more clearly. And so it's probably more an exercise for me than it is any, anybody else that's listening, but I, I appreciate love the opportunity. I love it. And, and uh, you know what, we'll do this again and we'll do this again another year or so, right? Yeah, hopefully I, nothing I, else has happened. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think the classroom of life, that's what it does, right? It prepares yeah. and hopefully it doesn't get more difficult. Hopefully there's not pain involved. Right. But I think every step we take prepares us for the next step in our journey. And, and, and being that classroom that it is, it needs to challenge us. It needs to, it needs to stretch us. So yeah. if it, if it doesn't, then we don't learn we don't understand patience. We don't understand charity. We don't understand how to run to people when they're hurting. Right. I think yeah. you really, you, you see, you tend to see those in your life where when someone struggles, you just kind of see those people that always show up for them. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it clicks in your own life where you're like, Hey, that person's hurting. And I get that. I have yeah. compassion for that. And you start showing up and, and that's, that's what it's all about. So anyway, I, enough of, enough of the banter back and forth. Let's dive in, man. Where do you want to start? Yeah, maybe, maybe we just, uh, give a rundown of 2020. Do it. It's, it's been an interesting story for us to, to go through. And I'm sure some listeners will, will understand some of the the experiences that we've been through some not all some it's been yeah, crazy it's been it has been crazy but you know if, if we go back just a little bit we had this really interesting experience we, we got this labradoodle dog five years ago uh, wilson f- wilson four years ago yeah his name was phil but, oh but then my wife i don't know if you knew that his name was phil but then my wife was like he, he's too big he's like a man and having him <laughs> named phil around the house when you're gone just seems weird <laughs> So we renamed him to Wilson, which I don't know if that was any better. That's interesting. Yeah, That's yeah. all I like it. Uh, but but we, we got this dog. And I remember when we got this dog, I wasn't a big dog person or an animal person. I remember telling my wife, uh, if this dog gets sick or injured, I'll pay $1,000 to get it fixed. Flat. That's, That's it. That's my cat. With tax over that, done. That- yeah. I, you know, it, it all included out yeah. the door, a thousand <laughs> bucks, you know. Uh, and, and so... The day before Thanksgiving, or sorry, the day before Halloween of last year, yeah. Wilson gets hit by a car. And he comes running back. He's alive. Make a long story short, we, we go to the doctor. They wouldn't even see us for Wilson until I paid, paid $1,000. Without $1, swiping your yeah, card? Without $1,000. So we, we end up going forward. Uh, they come in and they're like, hey, we can put a rod in his leg and we can put screws. And then with rehab, he'll almost be normal again. And it's only like $10,000. And I remember seeing there like, yeah, no problem, right? I'll, I'll pay that in, in, in a heartbeat. Fortunately, my, my good wife was like, this is crazy. Yes. So we're not going to do that. Oh. Um, and, and she finally was like, well, what about just amputating the leg? And I was like, on a dog? That's crazy. So we did that for a cool $5,000. Uh, <laughs> and it was, Mike, I, I kid you not, it's a dog, but it was the most traumatic experience for us. I mean, go. all jokes aside, we were... We, brought this home. Our kids were like devastated. Like what in the world is yeah. happening? We've got this three-legged dog. And my wife and I sort of wrapped up 2019 thinking that was, that Crazy. was bad. Yeah. Like that was rock bottom. Yeah. Um, as, as silly and cliche yeah. as it sounds. Real quick too, your, your son Bentley saw the whole thing happen. Yeah. So that's crazy. That's traumatic. Yeah. And I got to say, I've met this dog. I love this dog. Like this dog, although it's like, it's a dog. Dude, it's like a, it's like a human, man. He like is. it understands yeah. you. It like hangs yeah. out with you. It's a good dog. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. And as you said, Bentley, Bentley saw it, which was just crappy for a 12 year old kid, or I guess he was 11 or so at the time. 
And, and so it was, it was traumatic yeah. for all of us. And then we came into 2020 and we start February. And I remember like being at work, hearing about this thing called COVID and thinking, this isn't going to be a big deal. And clearly I was naive. Kind of like SARS. It's going to stay yeah, out like, there. It'll be in some other Stop place. eating bats, people. Yeah. Who, eats Weird. The, yeah, yeah. who eats bats anyways Weirdos. anymore, right? Um, and, you know, it started to get some traction, right, in, in, in February. And, and we as a company started to realize this is going to be unusual for us. And now my, my company is a little unique. Uh, we employ about 400 female inmates. And so our population and workforce is very different. It, that comes with tremendous challenges. If, if a person gets COVID in that environment, oh. uh, it shuts down a large portion of, of that operation, oh, right? And, and fortunately, we had business continuity plans that we, were, we had already began working on. Let me, but, I got to say something yeah. real fast. Keep that thought. These are incarcerated women that yeah. you guys employ mm-hmm. that you pay a full salary to. We do. They do marketing, right? Yep. For companies. Marketing, and sales, technology. Yeah. I just have to say real quick, like that is what a phenomenal thing to do. Help these ladies to feel like once they get out, they can yeah. have a future. They can still provide for their families while they're in prison. So what mm-hmm. that's, I love it. It is an incredible business model. Uh, it is incredibly challenging uh, for us as an organization. We get a lot of criticism. People think, oh, it's like, you know, slave labor, <sighs> you know, you're paying a low wage. Uh, th- the reality of it is we could run a regular business model at a far lower cost than we than we run this one. Um, it's it's way better wage than them going in. What do they do? Like stamp license plates and stuff? Yeah, and they get they like have, a dime or something? I yeah, mean, a absolutely. Day? I mean, come on. Yeah, they work in the yard. Yeah. Uh, they have an, an egg farm out there. They yeah. pick up eggs. And those are not skills that are going yeah. to resonate when yep. they get out, right? And so we we take uh, the, this incredible workforce that has been forgotten because of a, a single mistake they made, and we give them a skill set, and yeah. they learn how to sell, and they learn how to use technologies like Salesforce yeah. and Marketo and Bombora and these other amazing technologies. So cool. And they do cool stuff. And so we, we have this really cool business model, but with a pandemic, Here comes it, COVID. Can be, it can be really, really difficult. Yeah. And, so, and all these companies are starting to look at you guys and going, well, if we're going to cut costs, yeah, like we need to kind of weed yeah. out the marketing right now, yep. right? So yeah. you're all concerned about our our main main channel of revenue comes from really big organizations that outsource their their sales capabilities and their marketing services to us. And so when a pandemic hits and they lose their revenue, uh, they end up cutting their third party contracts, oh, which that's, is us. Yeah, and so you're you're worried yeah, about that. Yeah, so we we were feeling it, and, and it was tough. And like every other company, right? Nobody knew what. Whatever, to man. Do. I work in hotels. We're fine. <laughs> Everybody was doing fine. So, yeah, you were living it, the, the the high life. It became a ghost town. Yeah. I, I we were lucky to see a person in the hotel each day. Crazy how it hit us all. It 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 was incredible. And what was most interesting is it went from we're going to be fine. We've made it through economic downturns to this is going to be catastrophic, right? This is going to be really big. Um, So I immediately had this issue of how do we continue to keep the company afloat? How do we make the right choices for our employees and their families? Uh, How do I ensure that I'm able to care for my family and the obligations that I have? Uh, So we're, we're in the middle of this. And then my mom calls and and she says, Hey, uh, I've been diagnosed with brain cancer. And my mom has always been like mothers are my, my champion. And, um, you know, she was the, the woman that would, you know, go and sneak a little bit of extra money from, from the bank account, which didn't have much in it 
to, to buy me some extra soccer gear. And, yeah. I, and I sucked at soccer, Mike. Like I was like the worst <laughs> soccer player of all time. Uh, but she made you feel like you're the best. But she huh? made me feel like I was the best. And she did that my entire life. Yeah. And so to hear that she had brain cancer, I was like, what in the world? Like, okay, so now we got this pandemic. We, we, had the, we got this three-legged dog running Your around. Mom's now my got mom's brain got cancer. brain cancer. Um, and, and on top of that, we were now halfway through the build on a brand new house that we had just dreamt of. Your dream house. We were so incredibly excited about it. Yeah. And now I'm sitting there going, I'm not going to be able to pay for this house. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. If, if this thing doesn't work out, if, oh. if we don't figure out the, the, the kind of the economics and here for a single income family. Yeah. And that can't, the amount of pressure that puts on you yeah. as a man, I, that's, it was every day. And, yeah. and I've lost a job before and yeah. I had to go home and tell my wife and kids that I lost my job. And, yeah. and you know, it was different in this situation. You know, when I lost my job the first time it was because I was, I was kind of, a, I was an arrogant guy You know, I had just come out of finance and I thought I was, you know, just, just knew what I was doing. And, and I just wasn't great to work with. And I brought that upon myself. Right. And this one was just different though. And I thought, man, how is this happening right now? Powerless. You know, yeah. Powerless. And, and so we move forward a little bit and, and we get to May, we, we end up getting into the house, thankfully no major uh, turmoil within the business. Uh, we definitely had challenges and, and had, you know, had to reduce some staff and cut salaries and all of those things that so many people did. And we get into this house and we loved it. It was, it was just awesome. Um, we had just moved from this like terrible little rental house and that, that we had done this whole debt-free thing. So we sold everything, sold our cars, moved into this tiny rental and, and it was awesome. And we just, we traveled as a family and we just had a blast. I loved that it house, was, man. Oh, the was, green countertop. Yeah, I loved it. I remember it. the first time you guys came over, I was like, we cannot have them back. This is, <laughs> you guys had this beautiful, like this no, beautiful home. No, and you decorate always so no, nice. No, it was the same size. Like, uh, I love that house. It was, it was a great it, house. It was a wild. You guys made it a wonderful home. Yeah, except for the drive-by shooting that happened. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, we don't worry. We'll, we'll we, get to that. Yeah, we don't worry about that. Uh, so we move into this house and... Uh, we had a blast, loved the house. And about 30 days, actually 31 days after we moved in, uh, it's 31 days and we remember that because it was the day after the new home warranty expired. Oh. Uh, so you had 30 days as, as you moved in to su sort of submit your request, right? For things to get fixed and yeah. repaired and whatever. So oh, we, really? you only have 30. Yeah, you can do it. You do it at 30 days and then at a year. A year. Yep. And so we had just hit the 30, oh. the day 31. And we took my daughter Vienna to, to dance tryouts and we left my son Bentley, my 12 year old uh, that, that was there with the dog when it got hit home with our five year old London. And we took my daughter and we, we took her to dance tryouts and then we picked her up and she said, Hey, I want to go to McDonald's. And we said, no problem. And we, we picked her up, drove to, we went to one McDonald's or we were headed to a McDonald's, um, and we realized, oh, we should just go to the one over closer to our house. A little bit closer. So we, we turned around, we cut across traffic, we, we went back to the other side uh, of town, which was actually less convenient because we had to kind of bypass our house, right? And, and then come back to it. And we, we ordered our food, get back on the road, and my wife looks over in the general direction of our home, which was a new kind of a new development that was being built. And she goes, oh, there's a fire over by our house. Oh. And I looked over and I thought, that's close. And, and we knew it was close because there was a model home that had this big giant flagpole and we could see the, we could see the pole. 
and we're probably two miles away at the time and we could see the smoke and my wife you know gets on the phone she calls our son bentley and says hey you know there's a fire somewhere over there are you good and he's like yeah we're totally fine no big deal she's like cool we're on our way home and we we drive over into the community and we turn into the community and we were going to go drive down where the construction homes were uh, the, the new homes because i thought oh it's probably like a new build yeah right? that's you know somebody's caught on fire or whatever and instead of going that way we decided at the last minute well let's just turn and we'll, we'll just get home quicker and then we'll go figure out where the fire is and we turn the corner to our house and it's our house oh. a brand new house is on fire and i'm sitting there going you've you've got to be kidding me i mean it, like i couldn't even process didn't care about the house at all but i just sat there going is this really is this really happening what do i do what do we do yeah do you're kind of like in a shock yeah, state of mind up? Right? do i yeah do i call the fire department so we pull up, I leave the car in the road and I run to get the hose and I tell my wife to call 911. She gets out and ends up trying to go get the kids out of the house because yeah. the two kids are in there. And there's a gentleman out front who is already on the phone with the fire department. So he's yelling at me, don't go, you know, don't go over there and don't, don't. <laughs> I got sit, kids in the house, yeah, man. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, yeah. but a hose seems reasonable, yeah. <laughs> right? I guess. So, um, I run around with the hose and start trying to get after this, after this, uh, fire little context. So, so how, like how big are the flames right now? So it was this, it was the entire, uh, South side of our house, Okay, so which is on the garage side, right? On the garage yeah. side. Yeah. And it's behind a gate. Okay. Right? So we have like a gate that goes into the backyard and, and you can see the flames yeah, though, already. Yeah, they were, they were, they were, the flames were to the top of the house. Sure. So we, it was a two story house. So, so it's, same, it's, it's getting up there. No small yeah, fire. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, of course, didn't know. I'm yeah. like, is this in the garage? My car's in there. Was it my car that did it? Yeah. I have no idea. So I'm spraying kind of over the fence and, and kind of a cool story about that too, which, you know, I, my wife and I haven't talked a lot about or shared a lot because it sounds a little, uh, sounds awesome. Cheesy. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. But, I, I turned on the hose and I ran across the front of the yard. The hose was on the opposite side of the front front of the house. And I turned it on and I start running toward the, where the fire is. All the while, my wife has run up to the front door and she's ringing the doorbell trying to get uh, the kids out and or get their attention. Uh, and I get maybe two, three, four feet from the corner of the house where I have to turn and kind of get oh. over behind the gate. And my the hose kinks. And it literally was like a, a cartoon, right? Like the water just starts like dripping. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I turn around and it's kinked in the middle of the, the driveway, maybe you know, 10 or 15 feet back yeah. behind me. And I'm yanking and yanking and it's all happening so quickly. And I just, I'm not solving the problem. I'm just pulling harder oh. thinking like that will, that will fix it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how, how much training had you had for this one? <laughs> well, after the fire academy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, none. So it was, it yeah. was, yeah, it was really crappy. And, and, you know, you learn in that moment if you're, if you're very well prepared for those instances, but the, the really amazing thing was, and what was so incredible is as I'm pulling, I finally, I, I turn back around and there's a gentleman there in our driveway who is un kinking the hose un untangling the hose and it unkinks and the water starts coming out and i run back and i spray and we start getting after it and then you know shortly after the fire department shows up my wife does in fact get the kids out of the house um, and i turn around and this gentleman's gone again and it's not like there were a hundred people there there were only you know two three four people who had come out and shown up and this person is totally gone just gone and 
my wife and I didn't process it until later that night. I said, Hey, did you see that? Did you see who fixed the hose? And she goes, yeah, that, that redheaded guy. And it was so funny to us, uh, uh, not in that moment, but, but later on, because the guy looked just like John Schmidt from the piano guys. Yeah. And I mean, could have been his twin. In fact, it could have been John. (laughs) I'm not sure. So if John listens to this, I'd love to know where he was on uh, June 13th of of 2020. And John, I'd really like to get you on the podcast to tell us why you didn't stick around and say, hey, are you guys okay? Or at least play us a song. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I don't know. But we are as as sure as anything that there was somebody there that untangled the hose. And um, and this was... This was a serious thing for us, right? Yeah. It, it didn't set in until later that evening what had happened, what, yeah. what had really happened. Well, you're in shock, right? Like yeah. you're, you're just kind of, your, your mind's just kind of trying to like yeah. move forward with life, but not really processing really everything yeah. yet, right? I just remember looking at it and going, did this, did this really happen? Yeah. And, you know, the fire department came and they were talking to us. They helped kind of finish the, the put, putting the fire out and, um, and they said, you know, the amazing thing is, is that it had just broken through the stucco and you, you had maybe two more minutes and before your house, house would have done. just been gone. So in Arizona, the stucco on the outside is pretty thick. Mm-hmm. And once it, once fire penetrates that stucco, apparently your home just goes up like yeah. a matchstick, right? Yeah. They said that because the, in between the stucco and the internal walls, the drywall, there's nothing there other wow. than minor insulation. And that, of course, just catches fire like there's, you know, like anything else would. And and so they were explaining that if you have a two-story home, it will shoot up to the Top attic. Floor, yeah. And then it will also split between the first and second floor. Oh, so if you're up above, I mean. Yeah, you're, yeah and, and that's exactly where Bentley and London were. We're mm. in the top top corner of the house. Where, and so, you know, you start to process like, well, how would they have got down the stairs? And and what if we what if we didn't you know what if we went to the other, other McDonald's, McDonald's right and yeah. what if what if we went and looked at to try and find the fire and we yeah. turned right instead of left and you start to process some of these things and you know my my son said something really amazing that night um, he came into my wife and he said and, and I don't know the context of how what they had talked about prior to this but he he came in and at, at twelve he said you know mom I I just want you to know that if their fire would have got into the house. I would have done whatever I had to do to get London out of the house. So cool. And that was, I think the moment for my wife where she just lost. I like mean, realized. I, I, I think holy it cow. Reali- yeah. I think it set in at that point for her. So, okay. I, one thing, one detail too, yeah. that, that I think is important to highlight here as you go running up, as you go running with the hose, mm-hmm. your wife takes off up to the door. Yeah. And she goes barefoot, which in Arizona, if you set your feet on the ground in, in the June. summer, oh, dude, I mean, the outside it's 126 degrees on the ground. It's a thousand and twenty six yeah. degrees. So anyway, she runs up to the door, starts ringing the doorbell because the door is, of course, locked. She left her cell phone in the car because mm-hmm. you're going 100 miles an hour. And as you ring the doorbell. It's one it of those freaking ring. doorbells yeah. that is delayed it's by like three seconds. And then it goes so slow, oh, right? So dumb. Uh, yeah, I, w- I, would, I would make the noise here, but my wife would just, no. just kill me. Yeah, no. Uh, I think we all kind of have been there, right? Yeah. Like those are the dumbest doorbells yeah, in the you world. Yeah, you can't just ding them a hundred yeah. times. And that's yeah. what she was trying to do. She, in a panic, she was, she was hitting this doorbell over and over again. Uh, and it would, it would only play the chime one time. And our dog had come down and was barking. And... Which is which is normal when the doorbell goes off, and so my son was just not processing, right? He didn't he didn't know that anything was happening, and and of course the door is locked, the the keys are in the car, 
you know, everything was just going, you know, happening so, so quickly. And so we, we just didn't process and we would later find out some, some challenges that would come with that doorbell. And, and we, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but this was a, this was a tough experience for, for us. We had never been through anything like this. Right? So dog, dog, Corona job, brain mother, cancer. Yeah. brand new home, Fire. 31 days, yeah. fire, kids are inside. Okay, yeah, yeah. so this is where you and I talked after we're, the last podcast. Yeah, we're halfway through the year now, Mike. <laughs> yeah. We've made it through through June of 2020. Yeah. And, and you know, it's really strange in that moment because it's, and it's so cliche that, you know, when people say like, hey, I learned in that moment that material things just don't matter. That was when we were like, we just want to go back to our little rental house, right? We, we just want to go back and, and we just want to travel with the kids and have, have a good time and, as great as the home was, it had everything we had hoped for, right? Every upgrade we could have could have dreamed of. We were so happy with with the selection. And we got in and we were happy. And then this happened. And from the moment it happened, it was it was over, right? We we the home wasn't the same, the experiences weren't the same. And we we were quickly reminded that life is so much more than beautiful countertops and a nice floor, right? And amazing how quickly you can forget it. Right. Cause we put, we had put in a couple of years of, of being debt free and moving into little homes and we swore like, Oh, this is, you know, this is the lifestyle we want is just yeah. to live more simply. And, and as you highlighted this minimalist lifestyle and, and having the experiences to yeah, get just a have family, those experiences. Right? And then you realize you're almost robbed of those experiences. Right. I mean, to think about as we, as we try to process, like what, what would that have been like to, to not have London and, and Bentley make yeah. it out alive? Was, yeah. it, it's really tough for us to process. And, uh, especially for my wife who, you know, I was focused on trying to get the fire out and, and, you know, my, my poor wife was the one who was there trying to, trying to get the kids and their attention. And so, you know, we, we ended up getting that out. The house is, you know, it gets rebuilt. It turns out it was from a mirror that I had placed. I'd moved a mirror from inside the garage, a tiny little makeup mirror, uh, had moved it from inside the garage to the outside. So I could clean the garage. I sat it outside. The sun hit it at noon, reflected into a garbage can, caught the house on fire. It was just the most unbelievable uh, story. I, I couldn't like burn an ant when I was a kid, <laughs> let alone like a, a house. So, anywho, we we ended up um, putting that behind us. We got the home fixed. Um, we tried to sort of put up that mental block. I think of like, hey, this just didn't happen. Let's just move forward. Count your blessings. Let's move forward. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't long after that that. Uh, my wife and I went to bed maybe a few weeks after went to bed and I woke up to my wife shaking in bed and I thought something's wrong. And my wife, anyone who knows my wife, she is great at sleeping. Uh, she can sleep anywhere, anytime. And she woke lights up, on life lights, lights on. It doesn't on, matter. No, yeah. it doesn't matter how loud it is. Yeah. Like she can sleep anywhere. And, and it was about one o'clock in the morning and she, we were in, in bed and she woke, woke up and then I woke up and, and she leaned over, she said, said something, something's wrong. And I said, okay, wh like, what do you mean? And she said, I can't, I can't calm down. Mm. And I thought, okay, this is, it was a panic attack. I've, I've had anxiety for quite a while and I, I take medication to, to help manage that. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is something we can work through. And it just progressively got worse by, by the minute. No and kidding. Maybe an hour into it, I, I finally picked her up. I pulled her over onto me, and I, I sang her a song. And I'm a horrible singer, but it's it's quite literally the the only thing I could think to to do. 
And do you want to sing it right now? Well, I, I want your <laughs> listeners to come back another time. So let's do a follow up <laughs> yeah. and I'll, I'll, I'll warm up next time. And I just, I just held her and, and I could not get her to calm down. Hmm. And I asked her, I said, what, what's going on? And she said, I'm, I'm hearing a doorbell. Oh. And I, I had no idea what this would come to be. We, n- neither one of us placed you didn't connect the incident. It. No, not yeah. even remotely. Yeah. Um, and it was our doorbell specifically. Right. And so naturally you'd think, oh, that's weird that I'm hearing the doorbell, but we didn't, we didn't, again, we didn't place, we've never had any experience in fires or PTSD or anything else. And so we just like, okay, yeah, everybody knows the sound of their doorbell. So, and your, and, and your wife, it's not like she's going to, with the traumatic event, the doorbell's not necessarily what she's going to remember. No. Yeah. She, she wasn't even processing yeah. that. Um, and it continued and it continued all night. And then the sun comes up as it, as anxiety normally does, it, it hits at nighttime. And, you know, if anybody who has had a child, you know, a baby or anything, the night times are always the worst. And then the sun comes up and brings, brings new hope and, and sleepy eyes and sleepy eyes, especially if, been, yeah, if you've been up all night and it was a rough next day, but, but she managed to get through it. And the next night came and she fell asleep and one o'clock in the morning doorbells you're kidding she woke up again and we did this for weeks of being up all night i mean every night she became nervous about going to bed which means she she didn't get to bed on time so by the time she would get into bed she would try to meditate she would use apps she would have music we'd turn on loud fans Uh, i mean we would try everything to get her to go to sleep and it was just this doorbell over and over and over and she'd sob all night what a nightmare it was horrible oh. and and to be so helpless and to just watch you know your your spouse go through something that you can't fix it's not a broken bone right i mean we just had no idea what was what was going on and you know we went probably 3 weeks of just no sleep uh, i was trying to manage you know my job i was trying to help with the kids trying to, you know, fill her shoes when, when, you know, she was struggling and and trying to get her to rest during the day. Um, and I'd come in into the kitchen on a break from work and I'd see her sleeping on the couch or something. I was just so grateful that she'd be able to get some rest. You guys gotta be worn out at this point, man. It was exhausting. And I mean, not just the lack of sleep, but like, like your spirits just have to be like, what the heck? Like, I mean, you talk about getting the wind knocked out of you physically. Yeah. I mean, there's times where we feel it spiritually where it's like somebody just sucker punched us right in the gut and you're just like, yeah. you're worn out. And anybody that has anxiety, depression, has, has dealt with this knows that when, when your brain is not healthy, it's very dangerous, right? N- not that any harm is necessarily going to come upon you in, in every scenario, but your mind starts to play games, right? And it starts to tell you things and, and that makes it harder to manage and harder to sleep and... um and so we got about three weeks into this and made it again, one or two o'clock in the morning and she woke up and I was, I was done. I didn't know, I didn't have any more answers and, and I, I didn't know how to help. And I remember that night I, I rolled out of bed to my knees to pray, which I admittedly has not been a thing for me, um, has not been a go-to by any, any stretch. And, um, and I remember just like begging, like, I don't have 
any idea what's going on or how to fix it. But if anybody knows what she's going through, it, it has to be the person who created her, right? And my faith has been pretty shaky for the last 10, 12 years. But the one thing I've known is that there is some higher power, some being, uh, in my case, I've known that it was a heavenly being, that it was an actual person. There's never been a question about that. And I thought if somebody created this, right, if somebody created this, this human being and all of its, mag, you know, kind of magnificence and, and complexity, then that same person might know how to help. Cause I clearly don't as, and, as the husband. And you're a pretty smart analytical dude, right? I mean, for it not to, I mean, yeah, just some of the things, right. That's tough. It's humbling. Yeah. It, it was very humbling and, and also really upsetting. Yeah. Right. I mean, frustrating, just like what in the world and how do I fix this? And Were you, before you went to him, mm -hmm. God, before you went to God yeah, and call, yeah. call it whatever you yeah, will, but yeah, whatever you want, before you went to God, mm -hmm. were you angry at God? I was never, I was never angry. The, the problem that I've always had for the last 10 to 12 years, and I've been really open about this and I've talked about it with a lot of people, uh, you know, church leaders that I know, cause I've, I've really tried to seek different opinions and, and thoughts is I, I have a really tough time reconciling faith-based principles that don't make sense, right? It, it's so easy for me to understand that if, if a God is loving enough to create a family unit, right? Or to give me my wife and children, uh, is that, is that same God so foolish enough to take that all the way upon death, right? So when I'm talking about something like or when somebody's talking about you know life after death or eternal families, that's a very easy concept for me to understand because it makes a lot of sense, right? The ROI on creating life uh, and and discontinuing it at death doesn't make sense. No. And so I, I've always thought like clearly this, clearly if if I've been given by a loving being this amazing wife and these amazing kids, that same loving being wouldn't say it's it's all over at death. And so again, those principles are easy for me to understand. There are other principles and other concepts that are far more difficult for me to understand when I go, that just doesn't make sense to me. And so I, I've never been upset with God necessarily. I've, I've always struggled with a bit of frustration that I don't have answers to that, right? I don't have, there's not a lot of logic in some faith and trying to reconcile those things has been tough for me. And until recently in the last couple of years, I've learned that you don't have to reconcile those things. They, they're not mutually exclusive and they, they, they are not completely dependent upon one another. Right. Um, and so I, I haven't had any frustration or, you know, been upset, but I have felt a sense of like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Right. Kind of the why. Yeah. Wh why is this happening now? And especially in 2020, uh, like I never, I don't know that I shared that with my wife or kids ever. Cause I, you know, my gripes go up. They, they, I try not to send them to my wife and kids uh, for better or worse. My wife is always like, you should just talk to me about this stuff, but I'm not, not very good at that. But I just had a hard time processing. And, and you know, with, with Alicia, our job is to keep them safe. You know, my job is to protect her and to make sure that she's cared for and to know that I was just, I just felt like I was a failure. Like I can't fix this problem. That's hard, man. And it, it was compounding, right? No sleep, brain cancer, you know, house fire, like everything is just 
it's starting to take a toll. And I remember texting a brother during one of the days and uh, shortly after this experience uh, with prayer, uh, which just to go back to uh, when, when I did kn- kneel down for the, uh, to say a prayer, it, it wasn't, I, I don't think I said anything other than like, Hey, you've got to help me out. Like, I, I really can't do this anymore. She can't do this anymore. We, we need something. And I don't know what that thing is, but, but, anything would be so incredibly appreciated. Um, and I looked up in that moment, I'm sure just a few seconds, you know, felt like I was praying for an eternity, but I'm sure it was, was just a matter of seconds. And my wife had fallen asleep. And I remember just being like, wow, I just need a moment, right? Like it was just enough that it, that it, uh, it carried me for a little while. Right. And to see her sleeping. And I, I didn't, I don't think I slept the rest of the night. I mean, I just, I remember sitting there listening to her breathe and, and I, I would hold her hair and it was, it was, it sounds so cliche and ridiculous, but I was so grateful that she was at peace. Yeah. I was so grateful that she was able to rest. And I knew that just that little hope, that little bit of rest would, would do so much for her. And that's again, one of those moments where I was like, okay, God exists, which is a good feeling in all of this chaos. There's, there's some order to this and, and she's going to be okay. And peace for a night, for a night, peace, or at least for an hour. You hadn't felt that for a while. Yeah, it was, it was rough. And I think it was just enough, Mike, that, that we were able to process for a moment. And the next day there was some clarity. Um, I reached a point shortly thereafter where, where I, I just, I need some help. I texted a brother through that conversation. Uh, we were, we were put in touch with, with our, our Bishop. And again, with COVID, right. We didn't, we'd never met our Bishop. No. We just moved in. Yeah. So now we've got to go meet this random guy yep. and talk about this. And, um, so we had a good conversation with him and he said, you know, let me think about things for a little bit and see how we can help. Um, and on the way home from that meeting, from, from meeting with our Bishop for the first time, who didn't give us any, you know, amazing answer that yeah. we didn't walk out like, Oh great. Yeah. Like here's the solution. Yeah. You know, we know what to do. Yeah. But we, we were in the car and as clear as anything, I had this feeling to move all of the mattresses in the house to the loft and that we would sleep together as a family going forward. So cool. And we did it that night. And my wife, she slept next to my 12-year-old. My 12-year-old's kind of the thread, I think, yeah. that, that, you know, through all of these stories. Yeah, Bentley's a man. Um, she slept next to him, and you know, I think his big old bear paws, you know, uh, wrapped her up. And and then uh, my daughter slept on the other side, and then I slept between our girls. And we slept like that for a few weeks uh, every night, and my wife slept every night. No doorbell? No, no doorbell. Uh, she had a couple moments where she'd wake up and I think out of fear would, would hear, hear it. Hear it, yep. But slept through the night. But slept through the night. And and that was amazing. Um, through all of this, we we sort of uh, decided, hey, maybe we should consider to move, you know, moving back to Utah near family. Uh, we had a limited support. You know, the Gregsons had moved <laughs> and left us alone. Uh, so, you know, there was there was limited support there. Um, and we decided we would we would consider moving back and coming back near family to see if we could get some help uh, for, for my wife. And, uh, so we made our trek back and it just so happens, you know, we met a great therapist, uh, for my wife. And, uh, so we, she has this 
wonderful, wonderful therapist named Becky, who's just been incredible. And, uh, there's a, a, another nurse that has been, been helping and it's been just absolutely amazing. Um, that carries us, I guess, to July, right? So we are seven months through the year now, right? I feel like we it's over. Just, we could have just put a bow on this, it there. This right? is like this is like enough for like twenty five years, man. Like you're <laughs> yeah, insured good. to have a, a smooth twenty five years from this point yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, it it was it was a obviously a, a bunch of rough experiences, um, but we we decided to make the move back. We you know, silver lining, we learn again that your family's close by where we're going to be moving, which was a bonus on top of everything else. And we decided to pack the truck. We tell my parents we're moving back. We're going to come back and help, you know, help my mom and dad, help my mom with her, her health problems. And we move forward. We find a home here. Uh, we get the rental truck and we get prepared to move and get a call just a, a, a day or so before we move back here. I get a call from a brother of mine who says, Hey mom, mom was taken to the hospital today. And this is, this is, this is the end for her. And I sat there going, what do you mean? Did I hear like, what are you talking about? I'm coming back. Like I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And, um, I said, well, how long does she have? Like I can, I can fly up there tonight. Right. I can get there real quick. And he's like, no, I think we got like an hour or two. I remember thinking, this, this can't be happening, right? Like I just talked to her yesterday. She was fine. Everything was totally fine. Um, and we, we expected another few years with her. And so we, this was, you know, obviously kind of out of the, and you talked to her the day before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I talked to her the day before and, and we had just been up here a couple of weeks before and we spent some time with them and things were going well. And, um, apparently she had, uh, uh, they had discovered a, a kind of a bleed on her uh, intestines or something. And she was, or sorry, a, a clot on, on uh, within her, her stomach. And so they had given her some blood thinners and unbeknownst to them that she was also bleeding in her brain. Oh. Uh, and so um, when they had the thinners, it escalated things and she, she died just, just shortly after taking, taking them. And so now we've, you know, we've now, you know, Brain cancer, COVID, potential oh job gosh. losses, house fire, You're PTSD. Moving back the We're moving the day next day. Yeah. And she, after. So I, fortunately, you know, my wife said, you've got to get up there. So I packed the car and I drove that night. I left at about 9.30 PM, drove all night, um, got up here. Of course it was, you know, she had, she had passed uh, by that time. Were you at that point able to talk to your mom again? No, she, no. So incapacitated. Yeah. Yeah. So all of our family was present. I'm, I'm sorry, um, man. Yeah. It's the death of a parent is hard no, but, no matter what. Right. And, and COVID just adds another layer of complexity. Um, so, you know, fortunately we had a, they, uh, there was a great doctor who said, Hey, this is life ending. And all of the kids and, and my dad could come in and that had been restricted of course. And so they all came in and then I, I was, uh, able to join by fa- FaceTime and, you know, we just, she, she was on a ventilator and we mm. watched him remove those tubes and uh, sat with her for a few minutes. And, um, and that was not, you know, this is my champion, right? So this was not how I had hoped to, to go through the loss of, uh. of a parent. Right. But, um, it was, 
it was one more low blow for 2020. And that one, that's earth shattering. Yeah. That flips your world upside down. Yeah. You can't get that one back. Right. And, um, then you start dealing with the emotions, right. Of what should I have said? I should have called her. I should have talked to her more. I should have been there. Right. And you start processing everything. And it was just, it was just tough. Uh, so we, we moved back. Um, she, she passed away on November 4th, uh, just before the holidays. And, and, you know, we, we came back and, and things were okay. You know, we settled in and uh, prepared for the holidays, which is always great, right? A great distraction uh, from so many of the, the challenges. And um, my wife settled, settled in with her therapist and things have been going really well. And we've been, again, so incredibly thankful during the holidays. And we've been with family and we've had you guys around the corner. I mean, it's been just everything we had hoped for, at, you know, all things considered. And admittedly, we thought this is the, like, great we've 2020 has sucked it's been bad for everybody um it's gonna be better let's yeah let's 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 just move into 2021 yeah and this is end of story right we're we're, yeah. we're good i, mean, I met with mike we yeah. talked about this on a podcast we podcasted this thing everything's fine everything's yeah. fine now we get to process everything because we're still not there yet but yeah. but here we go yeah and, and everything could have been so much worse right and and that's you know one of the things one of the thoughts that has held on to me for so that, that i've held on to for so long and has, has truly carried me quite a ways is you know to really think about the alternatives to where you're at in life and this really kind of this this idea of like taylor have, have you considered the alternatives to whatever you're going to think or whatever you're going to do has, has resonated because, you know, I've, I've had some challenges. I've, I've struggled in my life and I've struggled in our marriage and, you know, I've made decisions that have hurt my wife and our family. And, um, and those are decisions that, that I made and I have to live with. And with those challenges comes ongoing temptation. It's like any addiction, right? Uh, it's very difficult to just let those things go. And one of the things that I, that has, has been so, beneficial to me through all of these challenges over the years uh, has been to think through and to remind myself, you know, hey, Taylor, what what do those alternatives look like? If you make this decision, whatever that decision is, right, whether that's giving into the temptation, whether it's talking rudely to somebody, like whatever it is, right? Some For some people, it's, hey, I want to go drink. I want to go back to this lifestyle. For other people, it's, I don't want to be married anymore. For others, it might be a drug addiction, right? It, whatever that is, there's so much power to considering what those alternatives look like. And, and so I thought about this, you know, throughout 2020, like, Hey, it it could be worse, right? What are the alternatives look like? Well, you know, as you think through that, I could, I could be angry with God. I could leave the church. I could blame somebody. Um, I could, you know, I could get mad and say this, you know, the challenges in, in my marriage or in my personal life aren't, aren't ones that I want to deal with and I'm going to run away. Or I can look at it and say, the alternative is dark and it's scary and you are far better off with a, with a, an amazing wife, with wonderful children, you know, avoiding anything that might trigger a previous temptation or addiction. Um, and so that has been kind of this, this thread. And that's one of the things that, that again, we, we held on to through 2020 uh, is, you know, what do those alternatives look like? Cause they could be a, they could be a whole lot worse than they've been. And it's been a, it's been a good thing for me to remind myself of that. Um, you know, I had a chance to be with my mom a couple weeks before, uh, my wife is getting better. And the alternative could be that this could be a catastrophic, uh, uh, 
you know, challenge for her that, that disrupts far more than it has, uh, that she could be unhappy or unhealthy for the rest of her life and to see her happy now and to see her resting now. You know, the alternatives are powerful when you start to think of them and it, and it, it, it really helps you to be grateful. But, but Taylor, you're telling me the grass isn't always greener. <laughs> There's this old saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, as you're talking, I'm sitting here going, oh, this, is a, this is a man with gratitude. And, and whether you recognize that in the moment or not, I think gratitude allows you to look at the alternatives and be grateful for what you have, but also to start looking back at things and going, there's a lot of blessings in, in sometimes mm-hmm. those things that seem like such trials in our lives, right? We, yeah. they, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. You can look back and you can see mountains that have moved for you. But I love that idea of looking at the alternatives like as you're in that moment. And I, and I want to, if, if it's okay, keep going yeah. with your story, but I want to circle back to that because I, I think I'm not good. I'm not someone who's very good at doing that mm-hmm. in the moment. And, and so I want to come back and talk to you a little bit more about that. And maybe there's some tips or something that you've learned for yourself to do that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's more to this story. Yeah, well, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, I guess let's do the capstone. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and this by far has been, I think the most challenging. I'm, I'm, I'm confident my wife would say the same thing. Um, which we, is which is insane because I mean I mean you looking at the the story you've told so far, yeah. the kids in the house starting fire like your mother dying I mean just just yeah. crazy yeah we and and full disclosure we probably thought like we've had our fair share yeah like things will be good from here on out right things only happen in threes or whatever it is right <laughs> like we're not like four or five is that now. a thing really I don't know I feel like that's a thing right? <laughs> whoever made that up that's wrong yeah I, uh, yeah that person needs to be needs to be corrected but um, we had we had a great holiday and we came into Christmas and and it was Christmas is our favorite time of the year um, as, as it is for so many it was wonderful it was peaceful uh, it was a time to reflect and to think about all that we've been through in the year. We're not much of the, you know, uh, new year's resolution people, you and I've talked a lot about this. Um, but we had hoped for a better year, right? We had hoped that 2021 would bring us some good things. And so we have Christmas and my son Bentley again, Bentley, uh, threaded in this story gets a new mountain bike and he wanted to start mountain biking with me. And, so I said, yeah, let's get you a nice bike, right? Nothing crazy, but we'll get you a bike that you can really ride on and we'll go have some fun. And so Christmas day, get the bike and we decide, no, we're not going to go out today. We're going to just hang out and relax. As enjoy a the day. Yep. Just enjoy the day as a family. And we, we, uh, decide to go the next day, the next morning. And sorry, this one, this is probably where I'm going to get a little emotional. It's still a little fresh, but we, head up to the hills and we're, we're mountain biking and he goes up on a little ramp, this, this wooden ramp that, that you can ride here in uh, Eagle mountain. And he was nervous to do it. I had done it and I said, you can do it. And he rode, he rode up the ramp and then it plateaus, right. And it stays that way for a while. And then it comes down a ramp and it sits maybe four or five feet off the ground. And, uh, he got nervous and he stopped as soon as he got up on it. And I joked with him, you know, pressuring him. Like, Come on, man, you can do it. Like you're up, you made it up. That's the hard part. Now you just coast and ride. And I joked with him and I said, just full send it, which is always what he's, he always tells me, dad, just full send it. Right. So I said, just full send it, man. And he, he did, he, he went for it and he, he rode the rest of this ramp and he made it all but about 
you know, foot before he was to come down the ramp. And I was waiting at the end of the ramp and, you know, to, to kind of cheer him on. And, um, and his front wheel went off the ramp and it was slow motion. I saw the, the wheel go off and I thought, oh man, like he's going to, he's going to, he's going to eat it. Right. It's going to be, going to be a, a rough one. And the sound of his tire hitting the ground and him hitting the handlebars was a sound that I have never in my life heard. And, and I will replay it every day, every time I see him. It, it is such a distinct sound that I just have never heard. And he hit. I had sort of jumped for him trying to grab him. I missed. And he hit, fell on the ground, uh, and immediately rolled over and sat up. And, and normally when people fall down, they stay down, right? And it's sort of a cess. And he sat up. And he was staring at a bush that was there. His bike was in, in the same bush. And, and he wasn't breathing at all. He wasn't, he wasn't hearing what I was saying. And I jumped behind him, and I grabbed his body. Mm. And I knelt down in the dirt, and I held him. He was sitting on his butt, and I, I held him, and I grabbed his head, and I just held him there for a moment. And you knew he was hurt. I mean, you I didn't, knew something was yeah. yeah, something was wrong. Um, but this kid is tough. Yeah, like, he is tough. He's, kid. he's been through a lot, and he's he's tough. And yeah. and I I just thought like he'll get better. Yeah. Right? like this isn't a big deal. Yeah. It's, he's he crashed his bike. It's gonna everything's gonna be fine. Gather yourself. We'll be okay. Yeah, he'll be fine. And. He started complaining about his arm, and I thought, I thought, okay. So how long were you? Uh, tell me how you were sitting there for a little while, the whole twenty set. minutes. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. So and, and candidly, I didn't know what to do. I I had dialed nine one one, and then I I sort of sat the phone down when he started back up. Getting you a called nine one one. So yeah. I mean, as you're sitting there holding him, how long did it t- take before he actually like breathe, talk to you? I would imagine it was, <clears throat> you know. 30 seconds to a minute before he really started to breathe. It seemed like a lot longer, but you know, physics, I don't, I don't know. Physiology, I imagine it wasn't too long, but so why would you call 911 at that point though? Cause wouldn't you think like, okay, son, you're okay. Let's get up. Let's try yeah. and walk back to the car. So, so I was talking to him. I said, Bentley, Bentley, look at me, buddy. Um, and then, and then when he did start to move his head a little bit, I had taken his helmet off and I was holding his head back against my chest and I was now leaning back and he was kind of laying on me. Um, and I was talking to him and I said, Bentley, look at me. And he would, he would kind of look out the side of his, uh, you know, peripherals and, and look that way. Um, and I was trying to get him to talk and he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't talk at all. Mm. And then he started, he started saying, and just like this really distinct, like, okay, this isn't a broken arm, but something else, something else is going on. Um, and when he wasn't responding to me, that's when I thought, okay, I should call, I should call someone. Right. And I still was like, I'm up on a hill. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, do I carry him? Do I leave him here? Do I, and then selfishly, like, do I leave our bikes here? Like I'm trying to process like everything. I don't know what to do. And, um, so I did call, I dialed 911 and then he started talking. And so I hung up, sat, I kind of dropped the phone and he was saying water, but I didn't have any mm. water. So I grabbed snow, which was on, under the wooden ramp because it was shaded. And I grabbed like the top layer and I was feeding him snow, uh, which is probably, I'm sure was probably a bad idea. Who knows? Um, as long as it's not yellow. 
as long as it's not yellow, it's <laughs> fine, right? He would be furious <laughs> if it was yellow. Um, and we sat there for another little while and, and he started to talk a little more. And I was like, okay, we're like, okay, we're good. Like, we're, this is going to be fine. And I told him, I said, buddy, you gotta, you gotta get down. We gotta get down the hill and, and get to the car. And he's like, dad, I can't. So I sort of wrapped him up and I, and we kind of carried him down the hill. Um, it was ugly, but we got down, I got him in the car. We had, had a little bit of water there. So I gave him some water. I ran back up, gra- grabbed our stuff, brought it back down, brought him home. Uh, looking back, I should have taken him right to a hospital, but I, I didn't, again, I didn't know no, that I at the time. started to talk at that point, yeah, right? Talking, so you're like, okay. he's saying he's thirsty. And I was like, yeah. okay, like we're, we're good. He, I knew his arm, something was wrong with the arm. We but need to get you to a doctor, but like. Probably not terribly urgent, but yeah. he'll settle down. He, he's, he always bounces back. Yeah. He always has. He's been injured plenty of times. Yeah. And he always bounces back like any other kid. So I thought, I'll take him home. I'll get him settled. He'll be fine. So we took him in, sat him on the couch. And he was sitting up and he said, um, I want to sit up. And I said, buddy, you're, you're already sitting up. And he said, no, I want, dad, can you sit me up? I said, dude, you're, you're already sitting that's up. That's interesting. Cause that's the first thing he did right after the yeah. accident, right? Like yeah. his body pushed himself to sit up. Right. And, and so I looked at my wife and she's like, we've got to go like something, something's wrong. Right. So we put him in the car. My wife's sister, thankfully amazing family came and took our daughters. We took him to the urgent care. And we sat there for a little while and, and eventually they called their name. We go back as soon as we went into the back room, not into the, to the, uh, room where we'd be seen, but, but just where they take your weight and stuff. We told her what happened. We said, I said, something's wrong with his arm. And, um, she said, well, let me, let me get the doctor. He doesn't, he doesn't look well. Let's just see if the doctor can come take a quick look at him. Was he, was he getting pale at this point? Unbelievably pale, very dehydrated. Um, wasn't sitting up, you know, he's leaning on my wife the whole time. Um, and again, I'm still going like, yeah, maybe like a broken arm can do that. I don't know. You know, I got, I'm not good, a doctor. So I'm good for that. Would she be a nurse? Good for that nurse, nurse yep. to like, to yeah. say like, Hey, hold on. Like we, let me grab the doctor. Yeah. Cause this doesn't look like it's just and, a, and hopefully they're listening, right? They're, yeah. they're at the Instacare here in Saratoga Springs at the Intermountain Clinic. And, um, the doctor came up and he started feeling around his abdomen and he, he stood up clear as day. And he said, I have a feeling that something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but we're not, we're not capable of handling something if it is wrong. Yeah. And you guys need to go somewhere else. And we'd rather, we'd prefer that an ambulance come and get him just to be safe. And I, I said, well, I can get to the hospital By the faster time than one gets yeah, to, the, yeah. before one can get here. So we threw him in the car. Let's just cruise. Um, short, you know, short caveat to that is they moved him his arm his shoulder had been dislocated oh. and so it, it actually reset when the doctor moved him so the doctor goes well i just reset it i you know, did I just my job his, yeah, i just set his shoulder right um so we we went to mountain point hospital which yeah. is interesting because a dislocated shoulder is like one of the most painful things that you can have so the fact that he's not complaining about that. Yeah, totally fine. I holy mean, cow. He was like, yeah, it's sore, you know, and, and, yeah. and he was holding it. So we knew like, okay, something's probably, yeah. probably wrong. Wow. That uh, hindsight. I mean, that says a lot right there, but you yeah. just don't register that. Yeah. Yet. And, and uh, again, we were still kind of like, oh, he'll bat like, we'll get to the other place. Yeah. Everything will be fine. Uh, we get to the other hospital. They were incredible. They brought him right back. Um, and they said, we're going to take him and go do an MRI and look at, look at his stomach. Uh, something something seems 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 off his color's really pale 
Uh, by this time, they said absolutely no liquids. He can't have anything else. No Let's more. get him back in. So they took him back in. They so they on, they moved pretty quick they moved once you got him. Incredibly fast. Like like how quickly from when you got there to when they got him back? I would I would say 10, 15 minutes. No by kidding. the time they were they were running. Yeah, wow. running an MRI. And and I don't know if the in, Instacare called them. Like I have no clue. But yeah, maybe they gave him a heads up. Yeah, pro- probably gave him a heads up and. Um. They took him back. They had him for about 30 minutes. Uh, my wife went with him and I stayed in the, in the kind of the emergency room where he was being thanks treated. COVID. Yeah. Thanks COVID. Right. Stupid. Um, we, so we, I was waiting there and, and I was actually in the room, right. Where, where they had cut off his clothing. And so I was in there and I'm just looking at like the clothing is cut. He's now gone with my wife and they're checking. And I was like, he's going to come back. Like, just fine. Yeah, right. He's going to come They'll wheel them back, and that they're gonna be like, "That was a good pair of clothes, man." Yeah, like, "What'd you do with this clothes?" <laughs> I got them that for Christmas. Yeah, and um, man, they brought him back, and this time it was different, though. And they came in, and uh, they—I I don't remember the exact words—but they said that he's bleeding inside, and I was like, "What does what does that mean?" And they said he's he's lacerated his liver, and I said okay does he have like are there two livers i mean we we had no idea right what that meant yeah and then we heard them starting to say words that we have heard before like we need to get a transfusion going and we started to realize like something something seemed serious then they started bringing in platelets and bringing in blood Mm. and coolers and my wife and i at that point were going Wait okay, something, something's, something serious. Um, I had texted my sister, who's, who's a PA at Primary Children's, and I said, hey, I don't know what, what, what's happening. Bentley's been in a mountain biking accident. He, he uh, lacerated his liver. Um, not sure what that means. And she said, if he has a liver laceration, hopefully it's a grade one through three, which is serious, but, you know, uh, not terribly damaging and and can be either repaired or can heal if it's a grade four or five we've we've it's serious it's it's pretty serious grade five being the worst that you can you can have and did you ask at that point we did not ask at that point um we just knew it was bad yeah and she said you've got to get him to primary children's where these liver specialists can can take care of him and he can get the, the surgeries and things that he might need so I just sat there like, I don't know how to ask like to get him to hey, a different hospital. Like, guys, he says no, but appreciate what you're doing, but can yeah, we go to these other hospital? <laughs> yeah. Um simultaneously as as I'm reading this, I heard them say we've got to transport him to primary, primary children's. children's. And then it got a little more even more real. Like, okay, we're gonna move. Um and then they said he needs to be life lighted. Oh. This is immediate. And we went, Hold on, like <laughs> I was just mountain biking with him. And now we're life lighting our kid to a, to a children's hospital. Like what, what, what's going on? So they life lighted him and we couldn't ride with him because of COVID. Right. So no parent with him. So he went alone with, so you and your wife both had to drive. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. So we jumped in the car and we got there 20 minutes or so after life light had landed and taken him in. And again, we've never been in a trauma room before. We didn't you know, been in an ER, but not an actual trauma, uh, surgical center. So we got to primary children's and shout out to them, like the most amazing group of people. Um, we were immediately met by social workers who came and got us and, um, they took us down to, to the, uh, 
to the trauma room where he was. And the room is glass and it's fogged about three quarters of the way down the window. So you can't see in, you can only see the lights and things at the top of the room inside. But every time somebody would come in and out, you could see our son's body on the table. And there are about 25 people in there. And they had every trauma team you could imagine. And we were met by a doctor who came out and I'm going to have ruined some of these details. My wife would probably know them better than I would. But um, one of the doctors came out and said, your son has lacerated his liver um, and has what we call a grade five. Oh, that's like the most severe. Yeah. And all I knew was my sister's text, right? And I was like, what? Oh, I'm sorry, this, this can't happen, right? Yeah. Like, this is You're gonna be okay. impossible. And um, so they came out and said, we need to do an immediate surgery and we're going to open him up from top to bottom and we're gonna figure out where the bleeding is and we're gonna pack it and then we're gonna see if we can stop the bleeding. And so they did, they, they opened him from about, about nipple to three or four inches below his belly button. And they packed him and repacked him five times in that setting. Um, they did, I think 10 units of blood, multiple transfusions. Um, and then they put him on a ventilator and put him in a, in the PICU. And we sat with him for three days, just waiting, right. To, to see if that liver would start, you know, would, would stop bleeding. And it's been a whole series of events from that point. Um, what, what does packing mean? I'm not familiar with packing is, is when they're all they're doing is trying to shove as much as they can into the, into the liver area, into the, into the stomach to try and stop the bleeding so you. that eventually they can go back in and identify where the, where the damage is okay they can see where the damage is but not enough to repair it yeah through imaging yeah they have to actually go in and and understand you know like I'm how bad you. is it so Man. they wanted to pack him for about three days so he was on a ventilator for the first uh, and in the picky for the first two and a half three days um and and then they reopened him and realized that that it looked like it had slowed which was great um but that they needed to figure out, like, is it, is it going to continue to heal, right? And the liver is an amazing organ, and we've learned so much about it over the last the last month, um, that it will absorb itself, it will regenerate, which is incredible, um, if it's not too damaged, right? And so that's what we were waiting to see. Cla and, clarity, though, that yeah. you don't have two livers, right? You just have one, Mike. <laughs> it's, so, the, it's the kidney. Yeah, and, yeah. If anybody wants to know... Uh, <laughs> You, you, you only have one liver, so don't, don't do anything to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we also found out the next morning after the trauma for after the initial surgery that, that he had hit his head and had a brain bleed. So he did have what they called a mild, complicated traumatic brain injury. Uh, you know, TBIs, Mike, um, Bentley was, has been super stoked by the way. He's like, Mike has one. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have one? And yeah. I said, yeah, buddy, you and Mike will be buddies for life. Yeah, man. My family was happy to know that I have a brain in there. So it's <laughs> yeah, all good. Got, right? Yeah. Um, which, which I got to pause you real quick though. Cause when you have a bleed in your brain and that, that kind of becomes like what the focus is because the brain is such a tender and important yeah. thing and you never know what can happen there regardless of all the other things going on in your body, that usually becomes the focus for the team. But yeah. for your son, 
It wasn't. It no. was his liver. And that just goes, to, in, in my mind, that just goes to show like how serious this, this grade five liver laceration yeah. was. Yeah, it, it was, for, for a family that knew nothing about a liver, we quickly learned how, how serious it was. Yeah. And, and that we, we had, it again, the most amazing uh, trauma surgeons and liver experts, uh, you know, Dr. Kastenberg, Fenton, Barnhart, uh, at Primary Children's, unbelievable talent. And then they're, the nurses that took care of him, just they, they know things so well, and they taught us everything that we would need to know. And They care. Yeah, and, and they they do care, and it, and you don't get that everywhere. And so again, we were just so incredibly thankful. Uh, in in all of the experiences, we felt the love, and we felt their 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 care and their tenderness. Um, the first night that Bentley was in the PICU, his nurse Sheila, uh, we my wife and I, because of COVID, only one of us could be in the room, so I slept in the waiting room uh, on a chair the first night, and my wife uh, sat in with him and. When I came back in, she, um, my wife and I took a moment to just be with each other in the waiting room for a little while. And then I went back in and I went in and Sheila, the nurse uh, who had been there with him all night because they do 12 hour shifts, um, had sat and held his hand the whole night. Oh, how cool. And she put chapstick on his lips and, and, you know, she worked around the ventilator and she put lotion on his hands and she, she took care of him, right. The same way that, that we would. And oh, yeah, that's cool. You, you just couldn't ask for anything more. And so we, we spent um, 17, 18 days at, at PCH uh, with him in the, the neurotrauma unit um, and just got home, what, five, six days ago. So it's, it's all, a little, all a little fresh, and he's doing, he's doing well. He's uh, recovering. He has a drain that comes out. Um, out it, it goes into the liver, into the stomach, and then you know, drains the, all the fluid that um, isn't going where it should right now but at least he's home and he's we're together as a family and and it wasn't it wasn't that easy for you because there was i remember so so alicia and i of course as we found out we were so concerned obviously knowing everything you guys have been through prior to that yeah i mean our hearts were already like totally just we had so much empathy for you and we wanted to be there for you, but then hearing this, and especially Bentley, I mean, yeah. this kid. I'll I'll tell you something special about this kid. I feel like when he when when I go when we go over to your house and and we've got our own kids, right? And the kids are all playing. Bentley's the kind of kid that'll come up, hang out with the adults, and like he actually he cares. Like he he really cares to like get to know you, and that's. Yeah. You know that's great. I mean, there are a lot of kids that do that, but it's it's different. Like he, you really feel like he tries to connect with you, mm -hmm. and he cares about like what's happening in yep. your life. And and for that, I'm 40. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. You I'm know? barely getting there. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm older than you. So, but <laughs> but so I, I just real quick, as I heard the story, um, and all these details. I mean, as you're getting near the end of the road, there's an important surgery that mm -hmm. that. They, they feel really good about, and there's a phenomenal doctor that's going to provide, pro, uh, do the surgery. Yep. And, and I, you'll have to fill me in on the, fill the listeners in on the details, but this is an important surgery. Yeah. And, and if, if you get this thing and it passes, we're, we're good to go. And they felt very confident in this thing, right? Yep. Like to the point where they probably said to you guys, it's going to be, this is going to be awesome. This is the way we we're going to go all the time. do them all the time. Mm -hmm. And you gotta, you, you just have to share this little thing. Cause I think, I mean, dark days for you. All of a sudden, there's a little hope. He's starting to get a little better. He woke up. 
they're talking about this surgery to really stop the bleeding, make sure everything's good on that end. It's kind of like if we can get past this hump, yep. this is good news for yeah. us. Yeah, he, he was doing relatively well. Uh, they closed him back up, which was great. They put the JP drain in, which is the, the drain that goes in through his side. Um, and then they just watched the liver and they, they just waited to see if the output in the drain was going down and that it wasn't changing uh, colors. And they finally came in and they said, um, he's got a leak in, in uh, what they call the biliary tree, which is like a giant oak tree inside your liver. Oh, we're all familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, everybody knows the biliary tree. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. in one of the two livers. Yeah, it looks like, like an oak tree. Yeah, it's like an oak tree. <laughs> Um, and, and they, they explained it, they said he's got an, there's an oak tree in your liver. That's, that's just giant veins, right? And it moves, it, it processes the blood and everything in the liver. And, and basically what he's done is he's, he's cut one of the major branches off the oak tree through the, through the laceration, which means that the bile being produced is going into the body and not in, not into the stomach where yeah, it should. Okay. And so they said, what we're going to do is go in we're going to do this you know, relatively straightforward surgery. And we're going to put a stint in, I said stint last, uh, just, I think two nights ago. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yep. And, and my, and Bentley corrected me. He said, dad, it's a stent. It's not a stint. <laughs> so they're going to go in through his, through his, his, his mouth down his, down his throat. And they're going to, uh, place this stent in his liver. No problem. No problem. Right. And uh, this guy's done it a million. He's done it all lot. the time. He had done it a lot. One of the 20 best. plus years. Man. Yeah. 20 plus years. And he came out and they, he wasn't arrogant by any means, and he, but he was like, I've done this a lot and we're going to be fine. Yeah. This is pretty straightforward. We're going to place the stint four to six weeks, six to eight weeks. It's good. We're going to come back in and take the stint out by that time. The holes in the liver would have healed and it will drain as it should. We said, cool, like go in, he goes under, we, you know, that was hard. We, this is the first surgery he had really had where he was conscious, awake. like awake and yeah. like understood what was going on. Yeah. But he handled like a champ, like, hey, I got this. And um, and they took him away. We went and had had lunch, my wife and I, and we waited. And then we came back and we waited. And then the doctor came out and we knew that something wasn't wasn't right. How'd um, you know? You could just tell, you know, these 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 surgeons are they're a different breed, right? And they're so incredibly bright and compassionate and they care so deeply about being successful yeah. in what they do. This is what they focused on yeah. so they could, yeah. And, and you could just see it. It was not the same doctor that had just talked to us, you know, two hours before. And he came over and we stood up and he said, go ahead and sit down. And we sat back down and he said, uh, it didn't work. <laughs> and this was, this was the thing, right? This was this, we needed that stent. Bentley needed that. And I, we said, what do you mean it didn't work? And he said, we, we can't get, we can't get in there. And I said, you do this all the time. And he said, yeah, your son has what's called a diverticulum. It's like a liver, Mike. I don't know if you, you know, oh, yeah. you know the liver, yeah. the biliary tree. So this one's more like a willow tree. This is like a willow tree. <laughs> uh, yeah. He said, he has this, he has this very rare thing that sits below the liver anybody who has a medical degree listening to this is like that's not what it is yeah but <laughs> little grace here there's a thing in there um and so when they put the when they try to put the stent in kind of go down the stomach you know down the intestine and then up into the liver uh instead of going into the liver it's it's 
being guided into this diverticulum, which is like a windsock that sits unusually placed uh, down below the liver, and it prevents the stent from going, from into, going the liver. into the liver. Ugh. And if they puncture that diverticulum, immediately back to trauma surgery. Oh. Right? It would be it would be a, a very big deal. And so he's like, we we tried for for ninety minutes to get this thing to go up, and he's like, I, I can't do it. It's not it's not possible. And if I puncture it. We've we've got bigger problems. We're like in like worse off than we were. Yeah, and we just sat there like, well, what is this like? How how did you not know? And he goes, I've seen like five or six of these in twenty years, and never on a child. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, right? Come to find out, these only exist generally in people over the age of forty, and most of them are developed later. He believes that Bentley was born with it. Uh, we always <laughs> joke that Bentley's an old soul, so you know, maybe like because he was born at yeah. forty or something. Yeah. He, Bentley later said he goes, "Dad, I'm like Benjamin Button." <laughs> like, like, yeah, you are, man. Um, That's but, great. Uh, it was heartbreaking, um, and heartbreaking to have the kid wake up and go, "Like, how, how did it go?" And for us to have to say, "Dude, like, it didn't, it didn't work." Because um, at that point, That's it. The doctors don't like there's nothing that really tells you past mm-hmm. that point what to do no. right so then they start having to work off script if you yeah. will and what they're telling you is like well, we can try this or we can try this yeah but the timeline is a lot longer we mm-hmm. don't know if it's going to work right yeah. yeah and so and so there you have it but then something else like pretty amazing happens yeah it was it was absolutely amazing and and it this night it, it was the it was the longest night. This I mean, so this is that next night. This was the night of the th- that they tried to place the diverticulum. Okay. So then then they came in late that night. I went home that night to be with the girls, and my wife called me at midnight and said, "Hey, the trauma team just left, and um, they gave us the options, and they're they're ugly, and they're not. I mean, you're talking about eight weeks on a feeding tube, mm. right? And and by this time, just as an FYI, Bentley had gone seven days without food or water, right? I mean, he was he was in poor shape. No feeding tubes at that point. I mean, I can't even imagine going, I can't even fast for no. a day. Um, and he's now gone, you know, six and a half, seven days with nothing. Had a few ice chips, but no luck. Oh. Tried to eat something else, Man. couldn't keep it down. So the next morning they come in and... Um, you know, after the trauma team had given my wife kind of the alternatives and the, and the possibilities, I said, let's just take one thing at a time. You know, my wife went back and slept next to Bentley in the, in the PICU or sorry, in the NTU. And, and I went to sleep with the girls and the doctor came by the next morning. The trauma team came by the next morning and they said, we're going to do a scan on his stomach, a really detailed image. And then we're going to go in and and we're going to figure out if we can go in from outside the body and go in through the side into the liver and see if we can get the stent placed somehow that way. Much more difficult. Much more difficult, yeah. much more invasive. Yeah. Um, and so we said, okay. So they did the imaging. Then we met with another nurse who was giving us the rundown of, okay, when he's on a feeding tube, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have to sit down and you know we need to train you on how to clean the lines and to take care of that. And at that time, the uh, one of the trauma surgeons comes in and goes, so we just got the imaging back. And we're like, okay. And she goes, there's not a hole. 
And we were like, what does that mean? She's like, we, we can't find a hole in the liver. We can find the crack, but we can't find a hole. And I said, so he doesn't need a stent? And she's like, there's nothing to stent. There's nothing to, to plug, right, or to bypass. I said, so what, like, what does that mean? She goes, well, I talked to the, to the, uh, to the other surgeons, the liver specialists, and they, they, they're thinking that the fluid he's putting out is just from the first week of trauma and that it's the stomach's still trying to clear it out. Right. And it was like, of all the blessings we've received through the last year, that was the one, right? I mean, that, that was the moment in which we could feel people's prayers. We could feel the blessings. And my wife and I just looked at each other after they left the room. We just sobbed. Poor Bentley woke up at, you know, shortly after from our crying. and was like, what's wrong? <laughs> like, oh. Am I, am I going to be around yeah. for a while, Dad? Yeah. yeah. And, and it was nothing, nothing short of, of a miracle. Yeah, a we, miracle, man. We sat there and we thought, all that we've been through in 2020 was preparation for, for this moment, for last night to see if we could, to see if we could manage our way through a day of such heartache and, and failure. And it wasn't failure for us. It was failure for Bentley. And, and, and that's where, that's where the heartache is, right? It's apparent, like, give me a lacerated liver all day, right? If I, I'll, I'll take it if I can have it. But for a kid, like they don't deserve it. They don't, you know, and, and so my wife and I just sat down and we said, this was this was the test, right? This was this was, you know, Taylor and Jan or Napierski family, are you guys going to go one way or the other, right? What's the alternative in the decision making here? And are you going to be angry and upset or are you going to rely on people? And and full disclosure, we we did not have the strength in that moment. But but we knew and we could feel people's prayers and we could feel people who had fasted for us. And we knew that my wife and I had nothing left, but, but we truly felt the support of, of loved ones, of family and friends, of people who were constantly reaching out and, and supporting us and uh, nobody expecting anything in return. But we knew that, that the faith that had carried us, I won't say the faith that we had because full disclosure, like I, I, don't, I don't know that I had a lot in that moment. Um, my wife probably did, but I was like, I was like, I think I had run dry, but I think that, that clearly the faith and prayers of others was, was really what, what carried us. And, and, you know, I, I think that was like the final test where right? it was, okay, is, is, uh, you know, are they going to respond? And, and if they do, what will that look like? And you know, fast forward, Bentley's home now. Um, you know, he's got a long road ahead of him and there's a lot that we need to still work through. Um, but he's home and, you know, we'll, we'll know more this week when we go up for some follow-ups, but uh, we're just grateful to be where we are today. You guys got a miracle, man. Yeah. We, uh, we saw him last night. <clears throat> he's got the coolest scar chick stick scars lucky man now nah, he uh, talk about a positive kid and um very very uh what a great kid 
just a great special young man. And I, and I, and as I sat there with him and talked to him, I just felt like, and I, and I felt like this before, and I'm sure as a father, you feel like this as well, but you know, there's a reason for all things. Um, I truly believe that. And some, some of the tragedies we go through, um, loss of life, loss of a young life, things like that. They, they, they just don't, they don't seem to add up. They don't seem fair. Um, but with the experiences that I've had in this life, um, we don't understand. We yeah. don't know. There's a lot of help on the other side. And uh, I, I, I was very made very aware of that while I was in my coma with my, my own brain injury when I saw my father. But um, Bentley is a special young man, and he was before any of this even happened. He's just a special young man. He, is a, he has an ability to, to really engage with people. Yeah. And just sitting down with him last night and talking to him, I just felt like the amount, the ability that this young man is going to have to see people, look into people's eyes and see the struggle and to see the pain. He's going to have a lot of depth about him and he's going to be able to help a lot of people. And a lot of that's going to come with an experience, but a lot of that is him already. And, um, I just, I, I just have to believe that Heavenly Father prepares us the way that He needs to for us to be able to help the rest of His children here on this earth. He, that's how He works. Yeah, you know, and and I and I feel knowing that about Bentley. Just, I, I'm amazed by by the way He works and what He does, and I know that that spe- that man, that special that young man is gonna do a lot of good things and show up for a lot of people that need some yeah. help. And the other thought that I had, it's interesting. Um, I had when I was when I had my coma and I woke up. The, the I hadn't read my scriptures for years because of my addictions and things before my accident. One of the first things I, that I had come to my mind was a scripture clear as day that said, "By you are spared by the prayers of the righteous." Yeah. And I, you know, look, I'm it, righteous to me doesn't mean perfection. It means someone that just like loves the lord it's someone that loves the lord and and accepts his grace and mercy right that's all that that's all there is to it but also it's somebody that knows god is overall Mm -hmm. and we trust that and i remember when you were saying that you had that surgery and the thought that came to my mind it's i don't know if you remember this text i sent you but my text in response to you was praying for a miracle for bentley yeah and it's like it's like god told all your team i think he sent the signal yeah hey guys just ask for a miracle here like use your faith yeah and and so i got alicia and the kids on that because they're a lot better than i am and then all your no but but there's something about that and i think one of the things taylor that i think is very important to talk about right now is when something happens where physically someone is hurt a lot of us will show up right we'll show up for that yeah but what about the unseen things right I think getting vulnerable, sharing your story, being willing to talk, a lot of times a lot of times what will happen is when we get courageous enough to actually talk about what we go through, even if it's a mistake that we made, we're giving people a chance to show up for us. Yeah. It gives us a chance to have prayer sent up on our behalf. And and I don't mean that to be like selfish in a way, but if if we have this fear of letting people into our lives, and that keeps us a lot of times from having our team show up yep. for us and pray for us. And there's a lot, there's so much that comes with that. Yep. Anyway, that's 
that's a totally different tangent. And I apologize for getting into that. No, I think, I think there's a lot of truth to that though. And, and if, if this, if the experiences this year had happened in 2019 or 2018, I don't know that I'd, I don't know that I'd be here, right? Like, we, we've gone through a lot this year, uh, or this, this last year that has allowed us to be vulnerable, that has allowed us to share experiences, to acknowledge that we're frail and that, that we're not all okay. And that's a, that's a very uncomfortable thing to deal with. It's been very uncomfortable for me as the provider in our family, as that, the, the father that's supposed to protect and care, um, you know, as the leader at work that's supposed to know everything, yeah, uh, you know, I don't. And, and this year has been one of those years that is absolutely critical in my development in helping me to understand that, that I'm not as great as I think I was, right? Or, or that I thought I was. And, and that relying on somebody else and, and sharing my, my weaknesses and my, my struggles with other people and allowing them to help me and to help our family will make all the difference in life. And I look at how people have rallied around our family, not just now, but throughout the whole year. I, I, I just couldn't have hoped for anything better than that. And, and that's really what is, I think, so amazing about all of these experiences. Of course, we've learned a lot, but I've learned that like there, there's still so much goodness in, in the world and there's still so much... Uh, so much happiness and grace and love and the things that nobody wants to talk about anymore. Right. Uh, but it, it has been a very influential year for us to say the least. And, you know, who knows what's ahead, but, um, I think that our family is, is stronger and, and more, more keen on, on what the love of, the savior and, and, and the heavenly father and loving friends really can do. And, and I think that's, you know, that's the takeaway for us. That's awesome, man. I, I, I had a thought while you're saying that, um, when, when in this life, I, I think the battle and the test is, are you, are you willing to trust? Yep. Are you willing to give up that, that part? There's a part of us that wants so bad to be so independent, we got to figure it out. And it starts when we're young, right? And we live in our parents' home and we grow and we're like, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to realize that I'm smart. I can figure things out. I can tell my mom something that's different and she believes me. And yeah. we, right. Like yeah. we, we start to become smart or at least we think we do. And we live that way for a while, but there's nothing great about that. There's not there. Like, for example, if I, if I go spend time with someone who knows everything about everything mm -hmm. and is right about everything they talk about, guess how much time I want to spend around that person? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Like, great to see you. Appreciate you. Yeah. Have a great day. We'll do day. this again next year. Yeah. Like, no thanks. Yeah. That's not who I want to spend time with because that person isn't looking for growth. That person isn't looking to have empathy for anybody. Mm -hmm. They're, they're so concerned about being number one at everything they do in their life that they don't give a, they look at the way they, the way they view people. I mean, you either look at people and, and with love and empathy and compassion and, and want to learn from them and help them grow. Or you look at them as 
what what is this person what benefit am i going to get from this person in my life what is this yeah. person going to give to me yeah and i don't want to be around those people yeah. they suck the life out of you they do cuz they they they're trying to find something within themselves and it, but but somebody who admits weakness and somebody who has vulnerability that's who i want to be around because that person understands that there is something greater than themselves and they just want to grow and learn and and connect with that thing yeah. and that's where the relationships are formed right and i think that's how you get to a place where where the savior wants us to be which is not something i've been great at throughout my life and and i still have a lot to figure out but we have walked out of this year with with through these experiences and and through the relationships that we've built with certain people with so much gratitude and understanding uh, that I think we're prepared for whatever might be ahead. And, and I hope that that's not much. <laughs> I hope that it's not another uh, 2020, if you will. But we had to learn certain things a certain way. And I think the most amazing thing is when you, when you go back, and, and Steve Jobs said this once, he said, you can, you can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And I look back at what has happened in 2020 and the experiences with Bentley undoubtedly were the most difficult out of, I think any of the things that happened, including the death of my mother, when it's your own child, it's, it, it, it's very tough to, to work through. And I look at Jana, my wife, she carried us through that moment. I mean, she was, and continues to be the anchor uh, and and the person that can carry our family through all of this. And I don't know that she would have been had she not gone through what she's gone through in 2020. As hard as it has been for her, which I know through our conversations that it it has been tough for her. But and I've, I've told her over and over again since since this accident with Bentley, I couldn't have done it without her. And she came to a place where she began to accept where she needed help. And she was able to talk with other people who might be going through the same thing and she could ask for help. And through that, we've built relationships and friendships and we've found you know, therapists and doctors. I mean, it's been just a, a truly magical year. Um, but I look at her growth and, and I just think, man, th this is what it's all about. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful it thing. It sucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, but it's great. But there it's are parts beautiful. of it that are yeah. not beautiful. But yeah. but in all reality it's it can be a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I got a couple questions for you. Yeah. That was that was awesome, by the way. I mean, God, what a what an amazing journey that you guys have been through. Hard, tragic, crazy. But uh you got that miracle at the end. Yeah. You really did. That's that's special. Yeah. Um Go back to the prayer. So a lot of difficulty leading up to that point. A lot of things that you went through. It, it seems to me, this is, I've heard this story now a couple times. And it seems to me that not just your wife sleeping and being at peace, but it seems to me like there was kind of a shift from that moment. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that... There, there comes a time, and, and this is probably true only, only for me, so you know, people who hear it can 
you know, toss, not, toss it out. It's not doctrine. To, toss it out. <laughs> it, it, it is, but no, uh, no it, you know, one of the things that I've been really intrigued by, and, and you and I've talked a little bit about this in the in the past, is this idea of of you know desperation, and you know desperation, of course, at its root is is despair, right? And and despair, by definition, is a loss of hope. And I, I'm really intrigued by these two words because, although they're directly related. I just don't think they're the same. They couldn't be I, more opposite. I, I, yeah, they're they're just so different. And when I rolled out of bed to my knees to to pray, I I don't even know if I would call it a prayer, right? <laughs> it was it was it was truly just pleading for for something. You were desperate. I was desperate, right? That's all it was. That's how you were when you went to Jana and you were like, hey, can you marry me? Yeah, I'm desperate. Same thing. Same thing. No despair. How could she say no? Yeah. Um, and thankfully, she said, yes, goodness. Uh, it, it was true desperation. It was, I have nothing left to, to give, but I know that something can happen. Like, again, you created this person. You've got to know how to fix it, right? I can't, I can't do this. I can't fix all these problems, which up until that point, candidly, I, I thought I could, right? I, I mean, I, I thought like, okay, we've been married for 15, 16 years. I can fix this. I got this. Like, this is just another, you know, uh, uh, little speed bump in, in, in our, our thing called life, but I, I couldn't. And it was pure desperation, right? It's, it's the, it's the saying, right? My inspiration was my desperation. And, uh, that desperate act, that that desperation of, of, of needing somebody to help uh, in that particular moment is what led us there, and that was a shift because it was it was a reminder to me, and I've had other experiences like this before, but it was a, again a tangible reminder that there is a God that that's in control, and especially in a year of 2020 when. It is just pure chaos around the globe and, and who knows what the future will look like to know that there's a God that's involved and that is in control is it, it makes all the difference for me. And that was, again, I think that the moment in recent years where I went, okay, somebody brighter than me, thankfully is in control here. And I've got to figure out how to rely on that. Right. And, and, and as, as simple as it, as it, as it is, in, in all of the chaos that exists in our world today, death, famine, pandemics, economic uncertainty and turmoil. Politics. Politics, <laughs> which is the ugliest of all. There is a God that took a moment to speak to me in a car driving down a road that said, put some mattresses in a loft. That is the last thing that God needs to be worried about is where I'm going to place our mattresses, but he cares. And he knew that that was the thing. And I'm, I'm convinced that was the only thing that could have helped my wife in that moment. What's, um, what's interesting to me about what you just said too, is I had the thought come of, you talked about your faith earlier in the podcast and said that, you know, you had it, but you kind of, you're, you're questioning a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have been the guy to go to him and ask for help 
unless you were desperate. Yeah, because I could have fixed it, right? That, that's what I thought. And okay. you got desperate. Yeah. And as soon as you went to him, things changed. Yeah. I, I think there was a big shift for you. Now, I think going forward, I think now that you know that he'll always be there for you if you choose that, mm -hmm. you don't have to be desperate. But how beautiful is that, that when you went to him, even though, even though you were definitely desperate at that point in your life, as soon as you reached, he was right there. Yeah. It's a, it's a choice for sure. Any, any, I mean, God, how many times do we, do we read that in the scriptures and we, we don't really get it until we're, we're to that point. And I'm, I'm the same way. I, it, it took me until I was desperate to really understand multiple times in my life. Yeah. Now it's holding on and remembering that and, and continuing to connect. Right. Awesome. Um, tell me, let's go back real quick. Um, go back and talk about the alternatives. I love one of the, like that's been on my brain a lot since you and I have talked about mm -hmm. this and we talked about it a few months ago, a couple months back. And I, and I, and I, I want to be that guy that like in those moments I stop, especially when my wife and I are talking and we have a disagreement like married couples do. And, and I get frustrated about something that doesn't even matter. Right. Yeah. I don't consider the alternatives. I wish, I wish that I could be better at stopping myself and saying, okay, hold up just a sec, take three seconds and just think through the alternatives real quick. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you practice that? What have, what have you done to make sure that in those moments, and you're probably not perfect at it, but what have you done to make sure that in those moments you do that? Yeah, d definitely not perfect. I mean, I'm close, <laughs> but no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, it, it is really hard. I find that a lot of it for me started with gratitude which would sound, sound sort of cliche, but, but I did have to begin in my life to recognize the good blessings I've received. And, you know, I, I've battled some addictions. I've had some challenges there. I've, I've throughout my life, I've made just dumb choices. Right. And, and like every human being, there is temptation of, of all different kinds. And it can be really attractive at times, especially when you're down, right. Especially when you're struggling, when you're, when you're stressed, you when want to you, break away. Yeah. When, and, and I've had friends, amazing, amazing friends who, who have given in to those temptations as have I in the past. But I did reach a point where I said, you know, Taylor, if, if you make this decision, you're going to ruin everything that's important to you. And that was a very, for, for me, that was a very defining moment in which I was, I, I knew that things would be lost if I, if I made a poor decision again. And during that process, I had to reconcile that a bit and think about what would life, you know, honestly, what would life be like if I pursued the alternative, if I gave in to whatever that thing was in that moment. And it, and I think if people, honestly answer that question. So if you go kind of go through an exercise right now and you say, I'm thinking about doing X, whatever that thing is, right? It could be changing jobs. It could be uh, going to look at pornography. It could be taking another drink. It could be uh, responding on Facebook to that, you know, that, that classmate from high school that you know you shouldn't engage yeah. with, but you might want to, what, whatever that thing is. Sure. Think about that very literal action and where that might take you, right? That's your alternative. 
And so you think about what your life is today. And then you think about where that's going to end, not necessarily where, what it's going to feel like immediately, right? Cause right. oftentimes that can be very gratifying, Sure. but where is that road going to end? It is rarely good, right? When it, when it's some sort of temptation or, or when you answer it honestly, uh, there are also really healthy ways to, act, to to consider the alternatives though, right? Hey, I'm thinking about changing a job. I'm thinking about going back to school. I wanna try and devote a little bit more time to my wife or to my kids, right? Great, what, what does that alternative look like? Yeah. And then what what do you need to do? And I, I always tell my tell my wife that you know, I, I wanna write a book someday called Only an Application, right? <laughs> that, that things only matter yeah. in the application of them. Words right? can be pretty empty. Yeah, they, absolutely. And and. So for, for me, it's, it's not always a bad thing, alternatives, but I have found that with the friends that we've, we've had that where there's been a lot of heartache, uh, they have pursued an alternative that's, that's undoubtedly going to lead to very, very serious heartache, yeah. right? whether that's individually or, or more than likely for their whole family. And, and I've, I've, been fortunate to sit down and to, to talk with some and to ask them that question like hey wh- where is this alternative going to take you and it's not by any means a judgment question sure i just want them to answer that question In and their to mind. process that and because i've had to process it yeah hey taylor you're about to do something stupid yeah where is the alternative sure. are you willing to risk whatever that thing is and and then conversely, it's also helped me in making important good decisions, yeah. right? Like, Hey, I want to spend a little bit more time, you know, with my kids. I want to treat my son, a, you know, better. I want to build that relationship. I want to spend more time with my wife, whatever yeah. that might be. And those alternatives are really beautiful when you start to think about them and it can help you to, to reassess. Um, but I will say, and I know this is a long answer, but you, you have to, you have to do it every day. Yeah. It is a, it is a conscious thought process and exercise, whether you do that in your meditation, you know, for me, it's, it's something I think about every single morning when I get up and it's, for me, it's probably because I've screwed things up in the past. Well, I think, I think the beautiful thing about that though, is you've learned that you can't really do it in the moment. Yeah. Your brain's not, it's not wired to do that. It doesn't act quick enough. If you wait till the moment, like I asked you the question, like, what do you do in the moment? That's kind of a cheap, it's a cheap question. You can't, Dude, yeah. you can't have that, right? I mean, it's to consider the alternatives, you kind of have to think down those roads with certain choices or decisions that you're making in your life yep. currently or something you're tempted by. You need yep. to make those decisions down the road and start to think through those things before you're actually put in the moment. Yeah. I like it. A really good answer. Yeah. The, and it, it has to be an honest assessment. And that's where I think most of us struggle. Yeah. Like we we want to give ourselves the answer that we yeah. want. Like, Oh, if I, if I do this, it's not going to, we think me. we can outsmart stuff yeah. that isn't right. Yeah. I mean, all the crazy thing is, is all things, all things are made known, right? Yep. I mean, you can't, you really can't get away with stuff for very long. It's, yeah. I mean, stuff is just brought to light. Um, okay. Awesome. So I, I want to last question for you. Yeah. I mean, this is, this has been phenomenal. This just, awesome conversation thanks for sharing oh thanks for, so thanks for much yeah i think there's a lot of the, the people that are going to relate and i hope you know if you know any of these people that work in any of these hospitals or instacares you know if anyone's listening i, I hope you'll share it with them because that's that I, I had a brain injury myself i went back to see my brain doctor dr fong alina fong um 
months after my injuries. And when I walked in her office and sat down with her, she literally was brought to tears and she said, you don't know what this means to me. Yeah. You don't see this kind of stuff very often. Usually it's the opposite of, of seeing somebody that actually, um, pulls through is healthy and, and mm-hmm. good things happen. So I know it means a lot to those people. So if the, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. There, especially at that hospital. I mean, they're yeah. just in, incredible. And I mentioned a few Kastenberg, Fenton, Barnhart, uh, but then you have the, the nurses, the, yeah. the, the, the staff that are just incredible. Our techs, I mean, Jen, Michelle, Paige, yeah. Sheila, Rachel, like just incredible, incredible. You'll never forget beings. them. And yeah. And it's so amazing because you leave and it's like they, to, to know that, that all that they did and then you just leave. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, you, you can't in today's world that like, you can't just call them. Right. And so it's, it's such an incredible thing to go through, but yeah, they, they're just an absolutely amazing people that that whole hospital up there, um, is, is just, just absolutely amazing. And, and you recognize in all of the chaos, you know, you're trying to keep your son alive and you're trying to manage the emotions and then you're dealing with bills after, and you're, yeah. you know, you're thinking about all this stuff and you think all that matters is that these amazing people kept your kid yep. alive. Right? Yep. Like that, that is the only thing that matters. Right. Which is incredible. So on your year anniversary, make sure you stop by and Bentley goes with you and says, yeah. Hey, um, so tell me, gosh, you've been through a tough year, real tough year. You've learned a lot. There's been some miracles. There's been some amazing moments. Tell me though, in those darkest moments, in those darkest hours for you, um, what's the gift? You, you ask this question in each of your podcasts and, and I'm always, I'm always intrigued by it because the answers are, are so amazing, right? They're, they're, they're truly just incredible. And to hear people's different perspectives on what they learned through their experiences. I always go, man, like, I don't, I don't know what that is for me. Right. Or what that answer would be. But I, I would say that there are a couple of things. The first is that allowing yourself to acknowledge your weaknesses and to discuss those things openly will do more for you in the long run than, than almost anything else. And, and it's okay to recognize that you have challenges and that you might need some help. And I have, I've had challenges throughout my life and decisions I've made that have been poor. And then you layer on years like this and it it can be really tough, but we have found tremendous strength in people like, like you and your family, uh, people that, you know, historically we, we haven't always relied on because we as a, as individuals or I, as an individual, um, wasn't prepared to open up and to talk through some of the things that I was dealing with. Um, and so I think when we're vulnerable, amazing things can happen. The other thing is that there is nothing more important during a a particular challenge, whether that's health related or, or decisions we make or anything else than the partnership a spouse can bring. Uh, my, my wife has been by my side since we were kids. Uh, 16 years of marriage, she has stood by me and helped me through my temptations, my challenges. Uh, she hasn't given up, and and that doesn't mean she's been okay with things, right? Which is uh, <laughs> a, a very important uh, differ- differentiator. But she's been there to help, and then I look at how she's carried us over the last month, and it has truly been her, uh, and. She would, knowing her, she would go, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything. She's just incredibly humble. But 
she truly has carried us and, and, and that makes, I think all the difference. And then last but not least is that, um, there, there absolutely is a God. And I don't, again, I, I don't care what you want to call that God. If it's, if it's a thing or if, a, if it's a person, but it exists and, and anybody who can answer objectively and honestly, you know, the question about how we came to be or how did I get so fortunate to have what I have, to have the amazing relationships, you, you couldn't have had those things without that loving God. And if that loving God did in fact give me this, if that loving God did in fact help us get through this year, if he did help us by saving our, our son and we have an, uh, this amazing life with him now, would, would he be so selfish to, to not give us other things as well or to, to ensure that we have life after, et cetera, right? And when you start to connect those dots, I think there's some really, um, th there's some really amazing things that can be learned and amazing strength that can be found that way. And so I, I think those, those are a few of the things that I think this year has taught us or that I've learned over the last few years. And um, of course, there's a lot more to unpack and who knows what the future will bring, but hopefully those, those things are what I, what I hang on to as I go forward. I love it. Vulnerability, your spouse, and God. And I, I just got to say a couple things real quick. Jana is amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. And you know what, man? She loves you. And that's what you learn in this life is it's all about the relationships you have and the love that you have in your life. And when you, when you, when you find someone who loves you, even at your weakest moment, that's, that's the most beautiful thing you can ever have in this world. Yeah. And what you said about God, um, it's an opportunity to live higher, to think better, to, to have gratitude in your life to, is, is to see things beautifully. Thinking, trying to think through things and outsmart things, right? To come yep. up with conclusions that just are asinine. Yep, yep. <laughs> you, try as you will, all you want. Think, think better, think higher, connect, be grateful. And then all of a sudden you start to see so much beauty in this world. Yeah. And, um, and, th and that is the beauty, right? That, that people can, can be a certain way and you can support one another and, and share experiences and challenges. And if, if we can live in a world where, where we do that with one another, that that's where the relationships are, are built, right? It's, it's not through the number of followers on Instagram. Amen. Uh, and so hopefully we can we can do that a little more well my friend you're a stud and gosh blessings to you guys this year for sure i uh it's a new year and, yeah and, and bentley's already recovering in this year so yeah. we feel like it's nothing but up from <laughs> up here. and up thanks yeah, so but, much for yeah. thanks for so, so much for sharing and and it, i'll post this and and if any of the listeners out there want to connect in any way um even ask questions you know i think taylor's given us a lot of good information here and and obviously he's been through a lot so he's got some wisdom with some of these things so if you feel like you need to connect with him, please do. Yeah, yeah, I'd welcome uh, the, the chance. I know my wife and I are are uh, so incredibly hungry to to help pay something forward, whatever that might be. And sometimes that's just providing a listening ear. And and so if we can ever, uh, you know, offer support, whether we know you or not, we, we would welcome the opportunity to connect.
Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.